everybody's so nice to each other fight with each other sometimes <laughs> honestly formula e is this it's such a weird vibe because yes everyone is really chummy really friendly but then you get them on the radio and they're just like absolute hotcakes listening to Gravel Trap F1. I'm Christina. I'm Caroline. Without an F1 race to glue us to our screens this weekend, we packed our bags and headed to Portland, Oregon. The logical choice, because Formula E was in town. So today's formation lap, we'll talk about attending an E-Prix. And in the Grand Prix segment, we'll dive into the excitement of the race itself. At the checkered flag, Buck is back from Electrify Expo to tell us about what, if any, influence electric motorsport has on the consumer EV you may be driving on the road. We are all charged up and ready to go. It's harder, I think, to get the ball rolling because with Formula One, you had Drive to Survive so on their side to be giving Mm -hmm. all the updates and the things. And Formula E doesn't have something on Netflix. They have their own documentaries. They have their own things. But again, people don't just, they just don't know about it as much. And so I think they're trying to get the word out to get people to know about it and then get involved. But let's talk about the off-track experience before we get into the on-track experience. Yeah. Christina and I were both at the Portland Grand, not Grand Prix, Portland e Prix <laughs> this weekend. We were both at the oh. Portland e Prix this weekend. It was so fun. And it was a last-minute plan trip for me. And so I felt like I was just along for the ride and there for a good time. And it really was a lot of fun. Did you feel like it was fun, Christina? It was really good. I will, like, the biggest takeaway I have from the weekend is that the vibe was so relaxed. Yes, it was so chill. Comparing it to Miami is very night and day. In Miami, it felt kind of like a fever dream where everything was busy. (laughs) There was always like this mental stimuli all around the place, which was absolutely really fun. But then you come here and there are trees everywhere. And even though they have like seating and all of the different things for you to do, it's a lot more low key. And even though it was a big crowd, everyone still very much had their own personal space. Everybody was very polite when moving through crowds. And like, it was, it was just really a relaxed environment. And I don't know how much of that is the fact that it's Portland. And that's kind of just the West Coast vibe of people just being like, yeah, whatever, man, (laughs) whatever. Want to go look at trees (laughs) in the beach? Like, and I get that, like, that's the Vancouver vibe too. So I do think a huge part of that have to go to another Formula E race. We're we're contemplating going to Tokyo next year already. Like we're we're on the ball with this one. Yes, all of our it's listeners right need to know. Yes, Tokyo is new on the track next year, on the calendar next year. Well, they had a lot of really good, very small scale performers. They had a guy mm-hmm. with a big ribbon, and that mm-hmm. was really fun. At one point, there were right people on we were stilts, entering, right? They had people on stilts. Yeah, they had that. I saw two like lumberjack dressed up people and a Sasquatch getting ready to like do a little TikTok-ish dance. I don't know if they were affiliated with Formula E though. I'm not sure if they were maybe just like, I'm going to film something here. They were actually supposed to be there for the event. (laughs) I really enjoyed how they did like very small er scale, but still quality entertainment like that. That was really nice because again, it's, it's pulling people from local 
where it's like, yep, people will be entertained by this. It doesn't matter if they know who you are. They're going to look at this and just be like, oh, that's fun. That's mesmerizing. It saves on flights and money and highlights the locals and is less polluting because a guy with a ribbon doesn't need as much electric power as, say, a concert. True. We when we walked in, there was a folk trio that was playing live music as we were walking in, mm-hmm. and that was really cool. That was really fun because I felt like a little bit of it felt a little bit bluegrassy to my roots, and I was like, "Oh, home came with me to Portland." But no, it was. I really enjoyed the little pockets of entertainment that they had, kind of scattered throughout. That mm-hmm. was really unique and different from the experience at Formula One. To circle back to your reference to it being so relaxed and chill, that was one of the first things I noticed when I walked in and how close you can get to everything. Like even mm-hmm. when we were walking the pit lane and everything and then when we were doing the grid walk, like like you can stand right next to the cars on the grid walk, like right before yeah. – minutes before they're supposed to take like supposed to go and I had the thought I said to somebody that was next to me I said um any person here could just kick their leg out and break that front wing somebody could get (laughs) you know knocked over and fall into the car and break something like I cannot believe how close they let us get to these cars and everybody had respect for them of course but like oh my gosh the Formula One teams and personnel are super nice too, but I felt like everybody in Formula E was this small family that they all mm-hmm. get along. And I was asking one of the people that works through for, works for Formula E. I was asking her like, how are the relations between the teams and things? You know, as they're walking around in the paddock and they're off track, and she said, "Oh, everybody gets along." everybody's friends. She's like, we almost sometimes have to tell them like, you guys need to be rivals. We need some rivalries here because everybody's so nice to each other. Fight with each other sometimes. (laughs) Honestly, Formula E is this, it's such a weird vibe because yes, everyone is really chummy, really friendly, but then you get them on the radio and they're just like, absolute hotcakes completely unhinged comments you get them in the cool down room and they they're all just like bouncing off of each other's energy of like i'm exhausted but also just like look at that on the screen their cool down rooms is honestly my favorite piece of media that they do because they create such a chill relaxed environment for the drivers to hang out together and you don't put in a third person you don't put in an interviewer it's literally just these drivers are comfortable around each other they have a good rapport. They have good energy with each other. You mic them up with microphones that actually catch what they're saying. You give them mm-hmm. good race replays. You have the cameras zoomed in nicely on their faces and you get some easy content and it's entertaining content. I yeah. I love that part so much. Yeah. I definitely think that I have been convinced and it was not difficult to convince me, but I have been convinced to be a Formula E fan after mm-hmm. this weekend. Speaking of off-track things, did you guys, mm-hmm. did you get to see the Jaden Smith uh, designed car? Oh, yes. Yeah, we, we because we got there like right at nine. So we yeah. were in there when like it was really, really quiet. So we were able to walk around and kind of look at everything. I like touched the hand-cooked tire that was out and I was like, nah. Ooh. Um <laughs> So I got to do that of nerding out a little bit. But, but yeah, we, we took a look at the, <laughs> we took a look at the car and there was somebody who was very much just like, it's a show car. So my assumption was actually that like, it's not a running car. So it's like the body, but like not much else. Right. But somebody Mm -hmm. was actually looking 
like under the little barrier, shining flashlight underneath the show car, being like, I want to look at the diffuser. What? <laughs> I was like, okay, dude, I, I, I'm you not even you, sure that this, I guess. I'm not even sure if this car fully has all its parts to look at, but you do you. Um, yeah, enjoy. My favorite feature on it, um, Buck, was the one, see where the pyramids are? Mm-hmm. on the side I thought that was really cool with the pyramids on the side um but yeah I didn't know that Jaden Smith was such a massive supporter of Formula E he became a fan apparently after going and seeing the race in Brooklyn last year but he was explaining that like electric cars are his passion that he waited to get his first car because he was waiting for them to come out with the Tesla um, and that he's only ever had a Tesla and I was like wow Go you, Jaden. But um, who else was Wild. there? Lindsay Vaughn was there wearing an incredible outfit. Mm-hmm. I was in love with her outfit. I wanted to ask her, but she was like in the middle of a broadcast. But I was like, where, who dressed you, ma'am? <laughs> That's what I wanted to do, but I didn't do it. They, they ushered me oh. away and I said, I understand. Okay, yeah. Tell me about the food because I didn't get to experience any of the, the food in the fan zone. It was variety mm-hmm. is kind of the best way to put it. So we saw, from what we saw, there were, mini donuts, bubble tea, tacos, and like you could put your own toppings on the tacos that you wanted. They had fries, but like fries with pulled pork toppings, pulled pork sandwiches, mm. curly fries. Um, that sounds so good. Coffee. They they kind of had every pizza, but like an oven pizza. So they brought like were these on like wheels. Were these like food trucks or were they like standing? It was a combo. Okay. It was a mix. Some of them were like, okay, we regularly go to these events type of thing. So we have a truck or we have a trailer. Some of them were just, these are local restaurants that have figured out a way to set up a tent and bring their stuff. So it was very obviously like, okay, all of these are very local places that they've kind of just pulled in and been like, yep, please come do food. There was the one um, booth that was like the permanent one that was operated very obviously by the Portland track. But all of it was also very reasonably priced, which I'm oh, very happy, great. very content with. I think I paid less than $20 in food for the day. Amazing. You know, really chill. And the best part about this race in comparison to Miami is how chill they were with your bag check. I was able to bring mm. my full water bottle and not worry about it. They also did such a good job of doing crowd control while people were entering. They had multiple stop points, so it wasn't like, the whole crowd the whole way through it was like okay slow down the crowd here step one slow down the crowd here step two step three very well managed in that aspect yeah yeah I also noticed on like they had a bridge that went over the track and I noticed that everybody respected the fact that one entry to the bridge was meant to be an exit and the other one was meant to be an entry and they had signs that like delineated but I had the thought I thought back to Miami and I was like everybody ignored those if there was two like stairs that were going in and out of a tunnel that was going across the track people were going up and down both of them oh yeah so 10 out of 10 Portland Formula E you did a great job honestly and the other thing that I was thinking about when you were talking about how it was chill and how it was really easily navigatable was you would think that it wouldn't be because everything pretty much happens on one day. Like you have mm-hmm. a free practice and quality and the race all in one day. So you would think that it would actually be crazier and more hectic and people running around all the time, but it was really chill. Everyone was so nice. I do think mm-hmm. there was probably a little bit of the Portland effect 
in effect. But also I felt like all of the, all the personnel were so sweet and were so kind and understanding. And I would go again. I would so go again. Tokyo, I've never been to you, but I would come for Formula E. (laughs) Do we have any listeners in Tokyo? I'm curious. Uh, Stand by. Yeah. We have less than 1% of our listenership in Japan in three specific areas. The Kanagawa Prefecture, the Hyogo Prefecture, and Tokyo. Nice. Mm -hmm. Well, Tokyo, all three of you that are listening, we sincerely hope to come see you. And if you're at the EPRI, say hi, truly. Let's talk a little bit about some of the events on track. And I think we should start with the biggest tea of the weekend, which was the Penske scandal. Like, also, this isn't the first, this is the first out of two Penske scandals for the weekend. Really? Yes. There was another Penske team in another series that got a penalty and got their victory taken away for riding their car like a couple millimeters too low. No, so they're not having a see, good weekend. But see, like when that happens, that makes me sad because like you really do ask yourself, did that really oh, make yeah. that much of a difference to create the win? I, that's, that's painful. Regulations that's are regulations. And you're just like, well, that's true. That's true. Well, what I thought was interesting, some of the some of the social media posts post the announcement, I felt like everybody mm-hmm. was kind of shocked that Penske did it. I don't, I think it was one of the drivers posted something along the lines of like the way that the information was shared was incorrect. That's John Rick Byrne. Yeah. Like we were not doing what they were saying we were doing. Question. Mm -hmm. Was it under the guise and you, I assume you read the FIA document. Was it under the guise of we're using it to collect information on our car. And then the technology was technically able to collect information off all cars, but they didn't have proof that they had actually been doing that. No. So basically, they set up an RFID scanner, and the tires are tracked through RFID, like Mm -hmm. tags, essentially. And their argument was basically, yeah, we were doing it, but we were only collecting information that is publicly available if you just take pictures of the tires. We had just found an easier way to do it. That was against the rules, but... Jean-Eric Verne was basically clarifying, like a whole bunch of people were saying that we were able to collect data, like that the RFID was also taking track of temperature and pressure, which it was not. So that's kind of where the line was of just like, yeah, we were collecting data, but it was data that everyone else can also collect. We were just, yes, collecting it in a way that wasn't approved. So Mm. naughty, but if true, not like naughty, naughty, naughty. Only one out of three naughties. Only one. Still isn't great, but isn't as horrendous as initially a lot of people, a lot of TikToks that I saw were basically being like, yeah, they're collecting data on all of these things and it could make a huge amount of difference. So if it is true that the only data they were getting was data that other teams can collect, then I'm like, okay, yeah, fair penalty, like sketchy way to do it. They broke some rules but maybe the data they were collecting wasn't as magic, insightful, gap, like advantage providing as was originally assumed. Yeah. And for the sake of our listeners that don't know a ton about Formula E, the reason that 
tire information does matter is because you don't have a bunch of different compounds of tires in Formula E. They have one tire type and that is all they get, all of them for Mm -hmm. the whole time. And so it's meant to work on dry and wet conditions. The car doesn't have different body types and body styles, kind of like you see in Formula One. It's a spec body type. So if you're getting data on other cars and things, it it does make a, a difference. So. And they do only have two sets of tires for the entire weekend as well. Yeah. But they are allowed to choose their power supplier, correct? Yes. Yeah. They're allowed to choose. That's the differentiator. um, Yeah. Their powertrain. They have the two. So they have one provided by Lucid Air. That is, I believe, the regen one in the back. And they all have that same one. And then their Mm -hmm. main powertrain is Mm -hmm. provided by one of the provider teams or they're a customer team. So we saw the Andretti on pole, which kind of exciting in Formula E that when you put it on pole that you get three points towards the championship and the championship is deadly close. Yes. Every time they get about like every pole position winner gets three points automatically towards the championship. And Jake Dennis did it from um, Andretti, which was exciting because Andretti is an American team and they were here in America and woot woot. Um, But he did not end up winning the race. The, the one thing that still does annoy me about qualifying is that it's basically this giant yo-yo with your emotions because you have the one lap where you're like super, super, super hyped up. And then you have to wait in between the sessions and you're just there being like, oh my gosh, my Anticipating. feelings. <laughs> How? Huh, huh, what? And so that was like, always, always. That's whether you're live or whether you're just watching online Formula E. It's just you will get emotionally wrecked by it and there's not much you can do about it. But my favorite is it's when... True. You get super invested, especially in quality. Oh, yeah. It's because it's anything can happen. It's a single lap. For, for anyone who's not aware how Formula E qualifying works, they're split into two groups based on their championship standings, even and odd. And then they set fast laps. They have, I think, 10 minutes to do so. And then the top four from each group get sent to the duels. And so they go one-on-one, Whoever sets the fastest one lap out of those two advances to the next round. So you have quarterfinals, semifinals, and then the final. And basically, if it doesn't matter how fast you are, you just have to be fa- overall, you just have to be mm-hmm. faster than the guy you're against. And so we've seen qualifying mm-hmm. sessions where the guy who's going on his lap first makes a mistake and you think, oh, he's screwed. But then the guy who he's competing with makes a bigger mistake and mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's through. So it's it's one of those magic things where you're just like, it's not over until it's over, until it's across the finish line. I think it was um, Rene Rast during mm-hmm. one of his rounds who like pulled it out of the bag. First sector, second sector were like it very mess. And then the third, he goes across, you're watching the timing score and he like pew, bumps to the top of their comparison time. And you're just like, yeah. And throw oh. in the fact that the, apparently in Portland this weekend, the cars were going faster than they've ever gone in the history of Formula E. It was the fastest Record the breaking. Yes, record breaking yeah. speeds this weekend, which was crazy. They were to only see. like and a kilometer or two lower than IndyCar top speeds. Yeah. Let's talk for a second about the sounds because that's kind of the piece that everybody has been asking slash talking to me about. I'm mm-hmm. like, what did you think of the sound? so annoying don't like the sound i like the sound blah, blah 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 what are your takes it it wasn't bad live i'm convinced that it becomes super screechy and gross on a broadcast because of where the mics are or how close they are or just 
I'm convinced that there's some distortion because when you're live, it's this soft humming. And mm-hmm. the only time it got horrendous to listen to was when Lottera kept going and doing all of his laps and the whole race with his front wing under there. And you can just hear him coming. It's like, <laughs> like the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. Racing his own race, if you will. He was racing his own race. It, it really was. Like he was just, it was unfortunate. And yeah. And then it, it happened to one of the other cars as well, where you could just hear something was stuck under there. And it was just mm-hmm. like, just get it out. That's yeah. the one downside about them not having mandatory pit stops is that you lose, like you get such a disadvantage if you have an accident and if something is stuck. I don't know if you've heard any updates from this, Caroline, but this year, or if they told you anything this weekend about this, but they were planning on doing rapid charging, which would bring back pit stops. And so it was going to happen this year at some point mid-season. They've like not mentioned it at all and kind of just been like, it's not ready yet. Maybe next year. But essentially, drivers, the concept was that drivers would have to go back to having pit stops to get plugged in to do a 30-second rapid charge and then head Mm. back out. And it would be automatic for everybody not automatic it would be mandatory for everybody so yeah super interesting super fascinating i'm excited i they better still be doing it because i i yeah. think it'll just add more strategy which i love we want more strategy yeah they did mention always. it they mentioned that it, they had planned to have it ready for this year but they didn't feel mm-hmm. like they had quite mastered it yet and so they wanted to get a chance to really get a better understanding on how to do it the best way and safely and so i do think I do think it's in the plan for the future. Yeah. I don't know when, but they have not given up on it. Yeah. But don't you worry. I will say to circle back to the sound, Good. I didn't mind the sound. I actually really liked it live. Oh, yeah. I thought it was really nice. And I, you can hear, you can still hear them coming and like you can still enjoy the sound. I actually asked one of the, one of the people that was escorting us around. She works in their research and development for Formula E. And I asked her about the sound and I said, is that something that you guys are working on changing? Do you think that it is so paramount to the sport that you want to keep it and make it kind of a staple of the sport? You know, how do you feel about the sound? She said that they are not planning on changing the sound because in all of the testing and all of the like focus groups and things that they've done that people have consistently come back. She said, we've thought about like putting things like in there to make it a little bit more of a grungy sound and, you know, adding amplifiers or something. And uh, she was like, everybody came back and was, and everybody voted to keep it how it is, that they like it, how it is. And to Mm -hmm. just focus on getting electric cars more efficient for the sake of road cars, yeah. which I think we're going to talk a little bit more in the checkered flag segment. So I don't want to reveal too much. But yeah, I thought that was interesting insight on the sound because I I liked it. I didn't mind it. And it doesn't put me to sleep like the mm-hmm. Formula One sounds do. But I thought it was pleasant enough. Well, this week on the checkered flag segment, we are going to be talking to Buck, who was at the Electrify Expo. It was an electrifying weekend for everybody here at Gravel Trap F1. But I'm really excited to hear the research and things that Buck learned this weekend at the Expo and how they compare to what we learned at Formula E. They compare very little, Caroline. Interesting. Let me tell you, but it it was not a loss uh, at all. Electrify Expo is the largest outdoor electric vehicle festival showcasing the latest technology and products and electrification, including 
legacy EVs, electronic motorcycles, bikes, scooters, skateboards, and even surfboards. What? So this was held down in Alameda uh, on the waterfront. So they actually, you could see people out on the water using these electric surfboards and other electric aquatic devices. Oh, that's cool. The purpose of this festival is to address the barrier of mass adoption that that Formula E does not. And that barrier is firsthand experience. It gives you a, a hands-on ability with each one of these things. There were Most of the festival was made up of these little tracks with cones that you could ride the scooters or the bikes or the cars and all of that and test everything out and get a real feel for it. There were massive displays from major auto manufacturers that you'd be familiar with, like Toyota, Ford, Tesla, Kia, um, Volkswagen, and then some you may not have heard of like Polestar and one other one that I can't remember that I've never heard of before. Yeah, I actually know Polestar. I do. Okay. Okay. Mm. I, I hadn't before this one. So it was very much a consumer level event. You were to go there as a consumer to see these things in in, in person and decide whether or not you want to become an adopter. That's the, the whole purpose of it. I went with a different objective as <laughs> my, my goal was to go down there and find out, are there any parallels, any correlations I can make between what we're seeing on track developmentally or through technological advancement on track and formula E and other electronic motorsport series and what we're seeing on the ground at the consumer level, what you're buying and taking out on the road and putting in your garage. What are the relationships there? Unfortunately, since this event was meant for consumers, there was very little information to glean in that category. Most of the reps there could talk to me about the headrests and uh, some of the creature comforts of the car and the range of the battery, but they couldn't really get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. Fortunately, though, a company called RTR, which stands for Ready to Rock. RTR Vehicles is an American... I love that. <laughs> American automotive company. Uh, think uh, Shelby. You remember Shelby and Ford? Yes. Yes. Yep. Okay. So RTR is not unlike that. They are uh, an automotive company that they're, they don't make what we call aftermarket parts as much as they call it OEM+. Plus. They partner with... Uh, brands, this one specifically Ford, and they make parts, performance parts for Ford, and they take these cars and they take them into different race series. And then Ford will also take some of the technology that they're making and put them into their production vehicles. So we're seeing some technological transfer there at the small private level. RTR actually races Fords in Formula Drift, and Ooh. they won a, a race this past weekend in New Jersey, I believe. I, I spoke to this team from RTR because they were there at the event with the Mustang Mach-E 1400. I'll put some pictures of this up on our social media. This is a beefy version of the Mach-E Mustang SUV, the all-electric car that you're familiar with, except this one is a one-of-a-kind prototype developed from the ground up in collaboration with RTR and Ford. And it's meant to be just a concept vehicle to, to, to show what can be done in motorsport with electrification. Hmm. And they spent the whole weekend taking people on these rides around this massive track, just doing donuts and spitting up smoke and nice. showing how much power. Cause that, that name Mach-E 1400 is how many horsepower it has. It has seven electric motors and they say that they're not That's so many slated to get involved in any electric series right now. Mm -hmm. But 
if you look at that car and you look at what it can do, it does definitely invokes the, a feeling of like extreme E. Ah. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ford, after they what they just partnered with Red Bull on the Formula One side, mm-hmm. that they may take this proof of concept and start applying that towards different ventures. Maybe maybe we will see them venture into Formula E at, at some Mayhaps. point. But in talking with some of the other reps at Ford, you know, I had been looking for information about the gearboxes, the regenerative braking that Christina alluded to yeah. earlier. Um, I did actually, since I was there, I figured why not? I went and test drove a couple vehicles of just you know, around the regular consumer track. Um, and I got to try out regenerative braking. That's a very interesting feeling when you lift off the gas <laughs> and it just starts to abruptly stop without you telling it to. The, the event wasn't a, a, a total loss. It was definitely eye-opening to see how many people are involved and interested in the electrification of locomotion, mm-hmm. as it were. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me that with the rising popularity of this at the consumer level, we're going to see a similar matched rise in popularity and interest in things like Formula E. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I totally agree. And I am bummed for you that you didn't get to experience like the direct crossover from Formula E to the expo. Um, Because I will say they were talking to us a good bit about how the various manufacturers that are there get a chance to gather a lot of data over the course of the season to help in their development of their motor vehicles or their electric vehicles that are used by day-to-day consumers. And when I asked them if they would ever consider, because they want to start implementing pit stops, like we talked about, mm-hmm. they want to, I asked them if they would consider doing tire changes as well and introducing the changes in compounds, et cetera. And she said, no, but and it's, it's not only because of their sustainability mm-hmm. effort, but also because they want to run the cars on some, on tires that are somewhat, similar to the ones that we drive on the road to further that development. Because I, I, that's what I loved about Formula E. I think that's probably my favorite part was how everything that they do seems to be pro racing, but also to the point for developing for the sake of you and me and, and everyday people to have better electric vehicles sooner. So. Mm-hmm. Well, what was shocking was I, I, I looked at the list of teams at Formula E that you guys would have been seeing this weekend. And I looked at the list of manufacturers that were at this event and there were no parallels. Not one oh. team that is on the Formula E grid has had a car at Electrify Expo now or, you know, like, like there was Toyota. But the only brand I saw on the Formula E grid that I think would have been there would have been Nissan. Yeah. Right. Yep. You have Maserati. I think Jaguar's got a team. Jaguar. They weren't there. It it seems to me, just on the surface, that these technological advancements that I may have been looking for to find these linkages between the two are very brand specific. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to see something that someone develops in Formula E end up in another brand's you know, manufacturing uh, line. So Not entirely true anymore. Because this morning we had the announcement from Lucid Air. So mm-hmm. Lucid Air is, as previously mentioned in the podcast, a company that produces a part for all of the Formula E teams. And today it was announced that they're also going to be sharing that information and that tech with Aston Martin. 
So it's not a direct connection with a team that's on the grid and developing a road car, but technology that's been developed for an electric car that is in Formula E is also being placed inside Aston Martin cars soon. And then I'm, I will be shocked. I will genuinely be shocked if Aston Martin doesn't enter Formula E within the next couple of cycles, but totally, we are seeing those connections existing. There, there are parts inside the Formula E cars that are on road cars. I've been in a lucid air driving through the mountains here. Like it's, it's, it exists. It's totally happening. It's fantastic. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, I just think that they're they're going to be built through specific partnerships, specific handshakes, rather than broad mm-hmm. strokes of, for instance, the the rapid charging that we w- would hope to see in pit stops. You know, even the the reps that I was talking to there couldn't talk to me about the differential in charging times from two years ago till now. Like I wanted to see, all right, what, what's the progression? You can you can now charge your vehicle fifty percent faster than you could last year. What mm-hmm. are those numbers? And they couldn't really speak to that at all. Is it? It was a little disappointing, but again, this is not. I was going to say that is disappointing. It's not what the event was for. I was, it, it, I got a lot of weird looks when I told people why I was there. Um, they saw the media badge and they thought I was going to be uh, asking questions about, you know, the different trim packages and how much leather I can get in these vehicles. And I was like, nope, I want to know about. And the cup holders. <laughs> yes, the cup holders. Um, <laughs> I did get to take a hot lap in the Maki and do like a really fast lap, driven around. Not the, the the drift prototype version, just the regular one. And I I will say I'm very impressed with what Ooh. these vehicles can do with response times and and um, just sheer force against your face. If there, there's video of my face, and I look like I'm having a bit of a stroke because like half amazing. Of it's like this. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is disappointing about the charging piece because to me that's the biggest flaw in electric vehicles because I would totally buy one today if I knew that when I went on a long road trip that I would be able to stop for the same amount of time that it would take me to stop to get gas. But that is not yet the case. Well, they can do 30 minutes. So what they, I did notice because I listened to a lot of spiels, they advertise that you can go from 20 to 80% charge in, in like 10 minutes. And then if you want to get that last 20%, it's going to take you another hour. Mm-hmm. But that that is an advancement they're making there. But even that ten minutes is not a pit stop we want to see in Formula E. I right. always thought Formula mm-hmm. E was going to have a thing where they drive into the pit box, the battery falls out of the bottom of the car, they shove in a new one and drive away. That's I, I honestly thought that's what they were going to do. It seems. I mean, that's like the fastest the... way to recharge. Definitely, that's going to be faster <laughs> than anything else you come up with. But well, yeah. yeah. Back in the day, they had to switch cars. Mm-hmm. They were running from one to the next. Like, they would stop because the car couldn't so get through the funny. entire race. Like they were made so that the energy would run out before the race was over. So they would have two cars and they would have to pull the car in, jump out, jump into the uh, the second car and pull away. Nuts. So overall, the experience at Electrify Expo was fantastic. They were super nice people. The staff was great. The Everyone was very friendly and and inviting to you to try out every everything. So if you get a chance, this thing does tour the country. So listeners, mm. if you get a chance to go to Electrify Expo, I think it's only like 20 bucks. Check it out. You get to spend two days there riding every interesting device that they've strapped a battery to. Very cool. Have a ball. Yeah. We'll go to the expo. And then Party. they had mentioned while we were there this weekend that they are hoping to get more than one Formula E race in America going forward to have one on the East coast and one on the West coast. Cause in the past they've done it in Brooklyn and then they've started doing it in Portland, but 
I think they want to try to do both in a calendar year. So we'll see you there. I want them to bring back the Canadian race because they almost had Vancouver. Well, if you're in London or in Rome over the next few weeks, check out Formula E. You can totally go to the race because the tickets are super affordable, too. This has been another episode yes. of Gravel Trap F1. I'm Christina. And I'm Caroline. Thanks for listening. Wait, we have to try to do the electric sound. How did they... So I saw... I saw someone... Someone posted, and they were like, Formula E? More like Formula We. And I thought to myself, that's kind of what they sound like when they come by. Wee.